Here's the 2 1. That's hit in the air to right. Tavares off the bench and he's tied it. That swing chases Machi. And Tavares, who had only three home runs in over 230 at bats in the big leagues, takes a curtain call here in the seventh inning of game two. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Prospect to be Named Later, the revamped edition. Uh, we're here again with Kyle Reese, as we used to be. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Kyle? I'm doing really well, Kyle, and it's nice to talk to you, buddy. Yeah, it's good to be back. So, uh, before we jump into to some actual stuff, I have a theory about the podcast, um, and that the success of it is tied to a specific Cardinals minor league player. Um, we mentioned him on the first pro- first intro of the first podcast. Uh, he had a great 2017, kind of like us, kind of came, people hadn't really heard of him until then, had a great year. Then 2018 was a little hit or miss with some injury history. Um, and of course, I'm talking about Ryan Helsley. So if Ryan Helsley has a big 2019, a big 2019 from the podcast as well. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I have in front of me the best tools in the organization, according to Baseball America. Uh, by Kyle Glazer. He wrote the the little blurbs about each Cardinals prospect. So the one that just stood out to me as being wrong, let's start yeah. with that one because that's fun. It's fun to criticize other people. Um, yeah, let's be dicks. Yeah, exactly. Um, for fastest base runner, they said Tyler O'Neill, and I immediately thought that should be Randy Rosarena. Yeah, you know, the, the thing about Tyler O'Neill is that he has major league measurable numbers. And when he was running the bases in the major leagues, it uh, it registered high, right? He was like one of the 25 fastest base runners in the majors last year. So that's, like, I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm sure that once some of these guys, and, you know, there is TrackMan data available for, for a lot of the minor league, minor league teams and minor league stadiums, uh, but nothing is accurate or, or as reliable about what, other than, you know, as compared to what's going on in major league stadiums. So... Uh, while I agree that there there are probably faster base runners, I mean, I'd probably take, and you know me, I hate Jonathan Machado from a prospect perspective, but I think I'd take Jonathan Machado from first to home or first to third over anyone in the organization. Um, but, uh, like, I'm okay with them putting Tyler O'Neill there because there is measurable and impressive track man data to support how or how fast of a base runner Tyler O'Neill is. Yeah, and he just doesn't—he doesn't look like a guy who should be fast. I mean, he's a massive human being, but he does run a lot better than I expect. I guess I didn't think about that from the trackman's perspective. So, just run through a couple of these real quick. Um, best hitter for average was Eli Montero. Best power hitter O'Neill. Best strike zone discipline they gave to Nagowski. We already talked about base running. Uh, best athlete Adolis Garcia. Um, just stop me if there's anything you like disagree with or think is interesting. Um, oh, I know. Okay, cool. Stop. Go back up to the top. Best hitter for average, Eli Montero? Yeah, that's Andrew Kisner. I- I'll go all in and saying, if you're going to talk about a player at the major league level, who, who like who like a player at the minor leagues, who at the major league level has a chance and the best chance to hit above 300, it's, it's, it's Andrew Kisner. 
I mean, if you're just talking solely about average, and you know me, I love Eli Alaris. L. Lear. Is Alaris Montero? It's a Liras, by the way. It's a Liras, and I, I still, no matter how many times I say it, I can't get it right. I just say I Eli because uh, Ortiz, uh, Jose Ortiz, is gone, and he can't get mad at us. Well done. <laughs> you know me. I can appreciate that. Um, I can appreciate a lot about that, as a matter of fact. But I, uh, I, you know, I love him. I think he's, to me, he's the most complete hitter of the bunch in the minor leagues uh, from a power, patient, approach level. At, but if you're talking about a guy who, I, if I had to bet on one of them to hit above 300 at the next level, it's Andrew Kisner. And I don't even know how you could pick anyone else. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I was thinking the same thing this morning when I was, looking over this list, like, I think Montero's probably number two, but, I mean, it's best, so it's got to be Kisner. Um, yeah, look, look, look at it this way, just to compare, a year ago, everyone was probably saying Max Schrock because of all the contact he made, and, uh, you know, that really backfired because of how his approach, you know, changed, but there are a couple guys who I think you might even put ahead of Alaris Montero from, a, like, an average, like, or contact, you know, we're not talking about contact tool, that's something different. You know, like, hitting for average, it's it, it different. Like, there are a couple guys that I would maybe put with a higher potential batting average than than Montero, but there are a few guys that will be able to do with that batting average what Montero can. Yes, I agree with that completely. If it was just best hit tool, I think Montero might be up there because he has a little bit better power to go with that. But, okay, um, power was O'Neal. Uh, discipline at the plate was Nagowski. I'm sorry, before we jump too far away from like uh, the power, let's say that we omit, you and I, when we do this, as we go over this, let's omit Tyler O'Neill Because it, unless I'm doing it wrong, he has 45 non-September days on the Major League roster, which makes which removes his rookie eligibility, right. which makes him a non-prospect. Yeah. So, you know, my what's your answer to that question if you don't get to use Tyler O'Neill? Um, Probably Gorman. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I don't know who else it would be. Like Lane Thomas hit some homers, but he doesn't just scream power, you know. Like, yeah, I would I would say with Gorman, the only person in the organization that really matches him. Like there isn't any other person in the organization that matches his raw power. I, I do think that, like from a practical standpoint, an in-game power standpoint, uh, first baseman outfielder Leandro Cedeno has some, some impressive impressive power that. No one really knows about, but he's not as good of a player as Gorman is. Uh, and then, you know, other than that, there's like Kevin Woodall has interesting power. Uh, other than that, like it, it's Gorman, no doubt about it. Yeah, the power in the Cardinals organization is always is like the eternal. It's like the holy grail. They just can't find it, and even the guys that you think, I mean, Rowan Wick was their big power bat at one time. So yeah. that just shows you where they've been from a power standpoint in the minor leagues. Yeah, and it also shows you to pump the brakes on kids at short season level hitting bombs. Yeah. Um, so best strike zone discipline, Nagowski? That's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, he's a good player. I feel like he's had some good numbers, but I don't know. Like, I guess I, I yeah, I don't know who I would give that one to, though, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, getting back to the contact, you know, plate discipline, I, I think what... Uh, our boy Tommy Edmonds capable of, you know, I think, I think Kisner is up there. I, for me, I, I always have this ability to group Nagowski and Yariel Gonzalez and Ron Hill Ravello together. 
And I would I would take Ravello before I take Nagowski, even in that small little subgroup. Yeah, and speaking of Tommy Edmond, I think he's going to be the guy who plays a pretty significant role on the 2019 Cardinals. Like I think he's going to step into that Greg Garcia role that we pegged him for two years ago, and he's going to do it a lot better than should be reasonably expected, I guess. I just think his speed and the fact that he can switch hit, and he's actually a shortstop. Um, it's the same three things I've been saying um, for a while, but I think he's going to have a, have a really good season in the major leagues this year, even in part-time yeah, play. Me too. I, it, I think it'll take him a while to go to him because of the whole 40-man thing, and there are a couple of other guys that are ahead of him with Sosa and Urias who are on the 40-man who might get the call before him. Uh, but I, I do think that they'll be put in a position where they'll have to call on him by the end of the year. Um, so we talked about the fastest base runner, and then the best athlete was Jag. Um, just look at that picture of him. Like, yeah. He's a monster, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's he's an athlete, I guess. That's, it's not the dumbest question. Uh, so that was, uh, that was my takeaway from that question. It's the best athlete. So, like, does that mean that we line up the team and, like, all right, so who's the guy who can dunk the ball and shoot a puck? And, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like just give like, them random tasks from different sports. Yeah, which one of these guys can complete the high jump? Like, you know what I mean? Like, who, it's, I understand what they're saying. You're talking about pure athleticism. But it's such an unusual question because, especially nowadays, with how player development and, and player, like, a player's ability to take care of themselves has come. It, like they're they're all pretty tremendous athletes. But I understand why they put they pick Jag. I'm cool with that. Uh, you know, I, I think that it could very well be argued that there are like you know anywhere from five to ten guys who are about as athletic as Jag is. So it it's whatever. I just I, I love that question. I think it's really interesting and you know yes. kind of like purpose, purposefully ambiguous. And I guess I like that. So best fastball and best curveball, they both gave to Alex Reyes, who we would leave off of our list. Uh, we don't consider him a prospect. Who would you give those to? Yeah, and also it, it's worth mentioning real fast before I get into that. Like, I I think that if I had to choose who has the best fastball, curveball, and changeup in the organization, I'm going Alex Reyes. Uh, but of course, we're not going to use him. So I for me. Best fastball Helsley. I, I love Helsley's fastball. I know Dakota Hudson's available there. I love his two seam. I love the way it rides, but he doesn't have control of it. it, it the high spin four seam of, of Mr. Helsley is impressive, and it's going to play, and it's going to play really, really well. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, his name escapes me at the moment, but the manager in Springfield. Um, Johnny Rodriguez. Johnny Rodriguez. Yeah, he raved about the spin rate on his fastball. Said it was would be among the highest spin fastballs in all of the major leagues, uh, according to the data they had. And I think that's going to play really well in the bullpen in 2019. Curveball. Now, real fast, you know Johnny Rodriguez. He uh, he's a roving instructor now. They're oh. looking for a new manager at uh, Springfield. They they made him the uh, one that roves, I believe. I did not see that. That's bad news for me. Yeah, yeah, but I, you know they'll hire somebody good for that role. So best curveball. No, it's a really tough one. I I'm one of these people, and I don't think it's like a, a wipe them out strikeout pitch. 
But I think Evan Kuczynski has a really underrated breaking pitch. Uh, and he throws a slider and a curve, but I like his curve a lot. Uh, Angel Rondon, who pitched at Peoria last year, I'm really intrigued by his curve, but it doesn't bite enough or often enough as a 21-year-old at a high level, uh, full-season level, to like really impress me. Uh, there's there's all kinds of questions about exactly what uh, Genesis Cabrera throws. It looks like a slurve to me, or a, you know something like that. But it's been called a curve. It's been called a slider. I, I really like that. But uh, again, I'm going I'm going full on homer here. Uh, I'm going to say the best curveball in the organization belongs to a healthy Ryan Helsley as well. See, I would agree with that completely. I was also thinking Cabrera, but you're right. It's it's really slurvy. And the other interesting thing, I know we're not going to get deep until everything that Mr. Glazer wrote about his top 10 Cardinal prospects. But they compare Genesis Cabrera to Felipe Vasquez, formerly known as Rivera. And that just seemed like just an irresponsible comparison. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's interesting about that comparison, and I think this hopefully will tell people just how good Genesis Cabrera is. It's not like Kyle Glasser to throw a comparison like that around. If you, if you go back and you read that chat, like, he's very, very hands-off. Like, they, they ask him to make comparisons, and he does the same stuff that I do, where they're like, who does Malcolm Nunez compare to? And he says, how about he compares to no one because he's a 17-year-old who's ever made a safe side? You know, that's, that's my answer. That's what I always say. It's not like him to make that comparison. So, under most circumstances, I would completely, completely agree with you. But I think because it's Kyle Glasser, it carries a little bit more weight uh, for him to say that. Now, I will say, too, that I disagree with him saying that he's going to struggle a third time through the lineup. And he only, he's like, that's his best role. I disagree with that. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I still think Genesis Cabrera has a chance to be a very good number three starter. As a matter of fact, he's so underrated league-wide, it's heartbreaking. He's filthy, he's nasty, and he does that thing where he fools umpires. And that's the amazing thing to me, man. Like, he's one of those rare guys. So, to your point, yes, I I hate that. I hate those big, rambunctious uh, comparisons. But it's really interesting, and I think it goes to show you that on the national scene that uh, why the Cardinals would be willing to trade Tommy Pham to acquire this player in a package. So, he has best slider as Dakota Hudson, but does Dakota Hudson even throw a slider? <laughs> it's a slutter, right? Isn't that what we decided? Yeah, it's a slutter, and it's the eternal debate as to whether or not Dakota Hudson throws a slider. We will never know, um, but Mr. Glasser says slider. Yeah, you know, you. Uh, I think I think that you actually turned me on to that article that Derek Gould wrote, and it was right at the beginning of the year last year, or, you know, about midway through maybe, maybe May, where he they were interviewing and they talked to Dakota, and he said that he had always thrown a cutter, and it wasn't until this past offseason that he threw a slider, that he started working on a slider a slider to complement his cutter. It's something that Adam Adovino worked on a lot a couple of years back, too. Um, to me, it's not the best slider or the best cutter. The best slider in the organization belongs to Griffin Roberts. I've never seen a pitch as nasty as that pitch. Uh, a slider, you know, I've seen some nasty change-ups, but the Cardinals have never drafted a player with a nasty breaking pitch, not a free pitch. Because I would quantify, you know, uh, a changeup as an off speed, but uh, a nasty breaking pitch as Griffin Roberts. That thing is nasty, and it's one of those things where I understand why people go with Dakota Hudson. It's really good, but it, 
like in game, if you get to watch that thing, it'll blow you away. It looks like a frisbee. He throws it like a frisbee. It's like when it's on, it looks like Blake training, and it looks like uh, 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 on Jordan Hicks. Like it's that good. Uh, so to me, that's the direction that I would go. Griffin Roberts did not pitch last year, right? I thought he had he had Tommy John. Am I correct or am I wrong? No, that's, that's Steve Gingry. Steve Gingry. Speaking of Steve Gingry, great segue. You're a pro at this. They put him yeah. as best changeup. We gave that to you. Gave that to Alex Reyes, but they gave it to uh, Gingry. Gingry, how do you say his name? Yeah, and you know, if if you want to go into the bag of maybe things that are kind of irresponsible, I, I do have a bit of a problem with them giving the best changeup in the organization to a player that hasn't pitched because of Tommy John surgery, and a player whose whose changeup was really good in college. And one of the best in college, but you don't know what it looks like at the major league level or at the minor league level, rather. And to me, like, I, I get what they're doing. I get why they're doing it. I understand it. But to me, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, like, I, I would not do that. I would not. I personally would not. That's just not how I roll. Yeah. Um, that's so. Back to Griffin Roberts. I just want to touch on him real quick. I remember when he got drafted. There's a video of him pitching when he was at Wake Forest. And he th- there's one specific pitch that stood out. He throws a slider, and it's from the behind home plate view, and it's like someone filming on their iPhone. And I screenshotted it when it came out of his hand, so like a third of the way to home plate, and it looks like it's going to hit the batter in the head. And I screenshotted it when it the catcher caught it, and it was outside of the catcher's box in the dirt, and the hitter just completely was fooled and whiffed on it. So that just goes to show you, I think I have those, still have those screenshots, but that shows you how much that pitch moves and how nasty it is. It looks like one of those pitches that even when the hitter can sit on it, they're still going to chase it because it just continues to move away from them. Um, and then on the changeup, yeah, I, I didn't really do any draft research, and since Gingery didn't pitch, um, that seems irresponsible, like you said, to give it to him. Uh, best control, they said Alex Fagaldi. Okay, so <laughs> I'm on the opposite end of this. I watched, when I did my, when I did, boy, I really feel like I'm just hammering on Baseball America right now. When uh, when I did my organizational rankings, when I ranked the top ten starting pitchers, I I put Alex Fugalde on the opposite side of the top ten, the, the back. Like, I, I made a special note that if I didn't like Jake Walsh better, and honestly, like, Fugalde is probably a top eight pitcher in the organization. But I will tell you that when I watch him, sure, he might he might put the ball in the strike zone, but he really misses the mitt a lot. So uh, I do, he throws a lot of strikes. And even when he's not hitting the mitt, he's throwing strikes. But if you're talking about command control, that's, that's not him. Like, again, I'm, I'm looking when I watch a game, I'm looking to see how much the catcher has to move. And I don't expect pinpoint accuracy, especially not from minor leaguers. Uh, but Fogalde's stuff moves. It's interesting. It, I mean, it has really good motion, especially as two scenes. And but if you're, if you're talking about command control, like there are a couple starting pitchers in the organization who who get it closer to where the catcher wants it than he does. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's not smart for them to say best control. I think it'd be better to say best command because there is a difference. Control is not being wild, and command is, like you said, being able to hit your spots. And from what you just described, 
it sounds like Ferrari does have pretty good control, but control isn't what makes you a successful pitcher at the upper levels or in the major leagues. It's command. So I would agree with that, even though I didn't watch a ton of Alex Fagali this year. Yeah, and then to, you know, to answer the question even further, uh, I think I think if I had to pick the pitcher, I, I would say uh, Evan Kuczynski. And that like it's weird with him, because his first inning, you can tell he's wired. And sometimes he'll spike pitches, and he's kind of off. And he was really wired in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, but after he gets those like nerves out, he's pinpoint. He's hitting the catcher's mitt. He's throwing all of his stuff from the same angle. He's committing it. He's controlling it. He's doing both of them. And uh, that would be my answer to that question. It's, yeah, I'd like, I kind of like that answer because not that I have a ton of uh, – I haven't watched a ton of Kraczynski, but you mentioned him for best curveball and best control. So I think that's definitely, you know, for me, someone I haven't really prioritized watching. Uh, yeah. Someone I should watch more of. His, his changeup is really good, too. You'll notice that he's, like, he doesn't, he'll never get it into, like, he's not going to throw 92 consistently. I mean, he might throw 92, but it won't be consistently. And his curveball, and his slider is kind of like his, his pitch that Sony's work. But his curveball, his changeup, and his fastball all come from the same spot. He does not change his mechanics, and he locates them. And he can bust them all in on right-handers as a left-handed starting pitcher. And I'm not saying that this guy is going to be, you know, Randy Johnson. But he, he's closer to he's closer to Marco Gonzalez than he is to Tim Cooney, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, and it would only make sense to a few people in the world. Best defensive catcher, Dennis Ortega. I wholeheartedly agree with that one. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting, because I, I would agree, but that Julio Rodriguez, who is his battery mate, I think by the end of the year, was might have been on par with him, like, the, the, the strides that Julio Rodriguez made at the end of the year as, as a defensive catcher, throwing from his knees, getting runners at second, throwing from his knees, getting runners at third, like, I think it's Ortega. I, and I would, I would wager Ortega moving forward, especially if Ortega can push himself. But I think Julio Rodriguez is kind of a, an unsung defensive catcher. Yeah, I, he actually, yeah, he did end up, they were almost splitting time by the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so what happened is in August, I think, or it might have been late July, Ortega broke his hand, I think it was. But, uh, he got hurt. I don't want to say he broke his hand, but he got hurt and missed some time. And Rodriguez took over, and then Ortega came back on fire and then really cooled off and towards the end of the year, for the, maybe the majority of August, they were splitting time. So I remember Tara Wellman writing an article, like kind of just comparing Ortega uh, to Yachty, and... I don't really want to compare any catcher to Yachty, but in their like their mannerisms and kind of the way they move, they do look kind of similar. And I think maybe that gives the impression, like that is the reason that people might give him the edge because you just have those echoes of an all-time great in your head when you watch him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, best defensive infielder, Edwin Figuera. Yeah, I agree. You won't get an argument out of me. Yeah, I thought he looked pretty good uh, a couple years ago, and I was like, I'm going to keep an eye on that guy. Um, best tools list. Good to know. Best infield yeah. arm, Hilaris Montero. Uh, real fast, before, uh, I know we're probably on time already, but uh, real fast, before we move away from Figuera, he, he, you know, he started at Peoria and was really good at Peoria and then got hurt and had to move back down to State College. And they moved him around the infield quite a bit at State College. 
and he handles his bat, and he played a great field uh, everywhere in the infield. And I think he might have played a little in the outfield, but he played great everywhere in the infield. That's, that, that is kind of a cute little sleeper that you might want to keep an eye on as maybe a defense, an interesting defensive option, you know, in two years. But uh, it, this is the one that really stumps me, Colin, that strongest arm in the organization, strongest infield arm in the organization. And, uh, and you know, they gave it to uh, Aliris Montero. And I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know what to think about that. I think Montero's arm is really strong, especially coming in on the baseball. But I can't, like, I think Paguero's arm is just as strong. I, I think that there's guys out there, I, I don't know. Let me put it this way. If, if his arm is the strongest in the organization, then uh, it makes me worried about, like, the strength of the infield arms in the organization. That, yeah, that makes sense. Especially, like, I just never really thought of Montero as a defense of a very good defensive player. Like, I always just kind of pigeonhole him. Like, okay, he's gonna have to move to first base eventually. Like, long term, that's where he'll end up. So, to see him on a best tools list for his defense was surprising. Like you said. Yeah, and it, you know, honestly, like as I think about it, it's on par with him defensively from like an arm standpoint. Is, is Evan Mendoza. You know, Mendoza can range, and he can, and if I maybe, even if I had to pick, like, uh, a best defensive infielder, like, I might even think about Mendoza on, on line with Figuera. But, uh, like, I don't know, man. I, I just think, I think that, I think Montero's arm can be a bear. I think it's a monster sometimes. It's not consistent enough. And uh, I, I just, I really, really like Evan Mendoza, so. I think if I had to choose, and Mendoza's arm isn't like lights out. It's not Patrick Wisdom. It's not Gyro Munoz, but it's really good. Best defensive outfielder, Lane Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. So my guess is that Lane Thomas gets the nod because he made that amazing catch uh, where he jumped over the wall to catch the baseball. Uh, I I don't know. I, I know losing Oscar Mercado changes the, the dynamic there, but, uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, there are plenty, plenty of options. I, I guess if you're talking about all around, he has a strong arm, he has good range. The problem is he gets kind of lost out there sometimes. I think one of the more underrated outfielders in the organization defensively is Chase Pinder. Like I, he doesn't have maybe the speed of Lane Thomas, but I, I think he's just as good of a like an all around outfielder. And, and you know me, man. Like I think by and large, while he doesn't get the same reads that Lane Thomas gets. That I think Randy Rosarena is just as good of like uh, an outfielder as as you'll see, uh, uh, you know, as compared to what the Cardinals have in the organization. That's where my mind went to initially, and I think even though he might not get as good of jumps, he has the speed. He has more speed to make up for his bad jumps, so he can outrun baseballs. Um, if he could ever get better jumps, he'd be a hell of an outfielder. Uh, but that's where my mind went with Sir Rosarena. So yeah, our, I, think, I think Lane Thomas is in that Harrison Bader phase. Where maybe if Lane Thomas just got more comfortable being ten feet further back than where he normally plays and play there regularly, I, I think that he'd benefit greatly from that. It's interesting you said that he's in the Harrison Bader phase because uh, Glasser wrote the Cardinals envision Thomas as a sort of Harrison Bader light, albeit with more power. I did. That's funny. I didn't read that, and that's kind of an interesting comparison to make because. Harrison Bader hit for substantially more power. Like, not substantially, that's not fair. But he had a better power profile in the minor leagues than Lane Thomas does. So, I don't know. 
I don't doubt that Mr. I know for a fact Mr. Glass is getting that information from the Cardinals, but it does make me question the Cardinals evaluation process. Maybe it's maybe it's too in the moment for me, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, last one, best outfield arm, Jack. Ooh. Yeah, it's the best outfield arm uh, I've seen. Yeah, you know, come up through the system. But Angel doesn't count. Uh, you know, Vader's Vader's got better as it got as it went along. But I'm going Jack uh, all day, every day, as the kids would say. <laughs> Yeah, that one's pretty straightforward, uh, and he likes to show it off, too. He'll throw, it's not like rookie year Puig very often, but sometimes he does that kind of thing, where he just uncorks one of the backstop, and you don't know what he was thinking. He's crazy. Uh, <laughs> so that's the that's it for the best tools list. Uh, anything else, various and sundry, to touch on? I got nothing, man. But you know me. I, I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm just in the ether, brother. Yeah. Um, good for Carson Kelly. I hope he gets to play. I know it was a while back, but we haven't done a podcast in a while, so I just wanted to mention that. I, I still think he'll be a good major leaguer. Um, also good for Andrew Kisner. He might actually get to be a major leaguer and not just be the greatest Memphis Redbird in history uh, with second best going to Patrick Wisdom. I, uh, I like what you did there. No, I agree, man. Like, the three players that the Cardinals traded to the the Diamondbacks, two of which, you know, we would cover on prospects, you know, prospects even better here. Uh, you know, but Andy Young, too. Good for Andy Young. Andy Young, and that's a good, that's a pretty good infield that Arizona has. He's not going to, like, make an immediate impact. But Andy Young has the potential to be their everyday second baseman in two years. And he's good, and he might just be able to take the reins of that particular assignment. And Luke Weaver, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Luke Weaver. I, I'm really excited about the opportunity that Luke Weaver is going to get. I, all three of those guys deserve an opportunity to start at the major league level and to be to receive a little bit of patience from an organization. And unfortunately, uh, they Andy Young's a little different, but unfortunately with Weaver and Kelly, they're not the Cardinals just aren't in a position to be able to do that. Yep. And they got better in the long run for the health in 2019. Yep, I completely agree with that. So much so, I picked up Luke Weaver in my fantasy league. So this has been another episode of Prospect from Named Later. We hope to come at you more consistently this season than we did last year, um, although we haven't nailed down exactly what that timetable will look like. Um, since we're in the middle of January, there's not a, lot of ba- not a lot of baseball to talk about, so it might be a month or two before we have another episode, but we hope to have a big 2019, much the same as Ryan Helsley. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe uh, and review the podcast if you get a chance and you like it. Uh, Like I said, thanks again for listening, and go sign Bryce Harper.